0: We are well into the summer series, and uh, we have been basing it off the book by Dennis Rouse, who I was with just last week. I tried to get him to come and speak to the church. He just couldn't make it in his schedule. He's like, go for it, keep representing. And uh, this week I get a a great topic. I get to speak on that a a disciple lives a life that is morally pure. Three amens. Morally pure. All right. Three amens. (laughs) All right. Uh, and I do want to give a disclaimer to the parents. Um, I'm going to, I don't know, PG-13. There's going to be some words that will be used. We're not going to be bad, but I just want you to know that if you want to check your kids into Children's Church or if you just want to be prepared to explain just a few things, um, I, it, it should be fine. But I just wanted to give you that up front. Um, now, we, we have a bent towards sin. Let me just set a foundation here. We have a bent towards sin. The Bible tells us that all of us have turned away. We have all together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. All of us have a desire to sin, a bent towards sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 3, 23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And you don't have to be a parent very long to know that everybody sins. How many know what I'm talking about? That little beautiful baby becomes a toddler and becomes in need of repentance. How many know? <laughs> and they just find it on their own. You do not have to teach them to do bad, they just do it on their own. You have to train them up in the ways of the Lord. But all of us have a, a, an ability, a bent, a desire towards sin. But the beautiful thing says in the Bible that we can be forgiven and it's by grace. Ephesians 2, let me start reading there. It says, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It's a beautiful thing. So all of us had these desires, this ability to chase after these cravings of the world, the, the word that it says there, the cravings of the flesh. It means those things that are in opposition to the Spirit of God. All of us are doing things in opposition to the Spirit of God, and we've gone from death to life, or from the old to the new. And we're now moving from that and towards that. We're, we're moving from the way we used to live and now we're saying, God, we're living for you and we're moving towards God. And we want to move toward God. And Luther, who was a famous Christian leader, he said about the transition and the transformation, the from and the to, he said, this life, therefore, is not righteousness, but growth in righteousness. It's not health, but healing. Not being, but becoming. Not rest, but exercise. We are not yet what we shall be, but we're growing toward it. The process is not yet finished, but it's going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. We used to live that way, and now we're moving from that, and we gave our life to Jesus. By grace, we're saved, and now we're moving towards God, and we want to be pure, and we want to be holy, and we, as a disciple, we want to live lives that are morally pure, but I'm going to know if you want to live a morally pure life, you will have to fight for it. The the world is going to come against you, they are going to fight against this purity, and the fight will be huge. It's it's been that way ever since Jesus left this earth and started uh, his disciples building the church. They were building the church and trying to help people to live for Jesus, and there were issues that were there. And I'll read a couple things from Peter and from Paul that talk about uh, living pure in the Book 1 Peter, in chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. It's a war. It's a battle. It's a struggle. You're trying to fight against these things and you're moving from those things and you're moving toward the things of God and there's a battle that's going on. Peter uses the word war. He said there's a war going on. And in 1 Peter, the very next verse, he says, live such God, good lives amongst the, amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. He's saying, you know what, you've, you've got this battle. You're trying to live pure. You're, there's a war that's going on. You need to live pure lives, guys. And he says, live so good amongst these people that even when they want to bring false charges against you, they can't. Like, you are living such a good life. You're living morally pure. You're moving from and to God and, and live in such a way that you become the ad. You become the advertisement. You become the one that they look at you and they go, wow, I'll take what they're having. I, I, I see something in them. I, they are the ad. And, the, and you see this, they're trying to live morally pure. And there's so many verses that I'm gonna use in this teaching today. And there's so many Just examples of this And I want to let you know most of them most Just a few verses are from the Old Testament But most of these verses that I'm going to use today Are from the early church Trying to live pure Trying to explain If we're going to follow Jesus We're going to be a disciple We need to live morally pure lives The Apostle Paul says this in Galatians 5, 19 He says the acts of the flesh are obvious Sexual immorality He starts with that one they're trying to start the church and they're trying to go into all these different places and they're trying to lead people into this pure life of following Jesus and saying, you used to live that way. Now we're gonna live this way. We're going from this and toward this. And God wants us to live in purity. He wants us to live morally pure lives. Now you can understand when the early church was started, they're trying to figure this out. How do we live? And, and they had a foundation, The Jewish people had a foundation and they understood God's holiness. They understood God's purity. And so they're like, we just want to continue understanding that God is pure, that God is holy, but now we're saved by grace and we want to live pure and holy lives. But how many know what happens? As soon as they start growing the church... Gentiles, non-Jewish people start coming in with no background, living completely immoral lives and saying yes to the grace of Jesus, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yep. And then they're living more from and less to. How many know I'm talking about? They're living more from and less to. And the early church was like, what do we do with all these new Christians? How do we help them? understand that a disciple lives a morally pure life and they're, they're living from, from and, and to and what do we do? And so it's a beautiful thing that the Bible records for us in Acts chapter 15 that the church leaders all get together and they're like, what do we do? How do we do this? We've got all these newbies coming in and they don't know what to do and they, they don't understand all this. They've, they're saved. They're definitely saved. We've got to figure this out, though, because they are a mess. All right. And so they, they, they sit together. They get a council together. And James, who is the leader of the church in Jerusalem in Acts 15, he says this. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Can I just stop there for a minute? How many are glad that was the thought? I'm glad. Let's not make it difficult. Let's get them in on the grace. Let's not make it difficult. Let's let's make it really easy for them. Let's really extend grace, and let's only give them the biggies. Now, these are the biggies, then, that they decide on. They said, instead, we should write to them, telling them, these are the things, abstain from food polluted by idols, abstain from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. They're, They're like, these are the four biggies. They're like, all right, as they're coming in and they understand grace, we want them to understand that there's a few things they need to just know right up front. And you might wonder, like I do, like, why didn't they list more? Like, there's got to be more than that. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's what James was thinking. James is thinking because the very next verse, he said, The law of Moses has been taught. He's like, Hey, you're going to come into the life of the church and you're going to hear things and you're going to obey things. And as you get into the life of the church, as you get into this, you're going to discover the things of how God wants you to live. But before you even hear a sermon, before you even hear that, let me help you out here on some biggies. He's like, We don't mess around with idols. We don't mess around. There's one true God, and we're going to worship God. And we are not going to mess around with idols if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He says, we don't want any of the meat that's been strangled or anything like that. And he says, we're not going to eat meat with the blood in it. That's, the life is in the blood. So those are the biggies. And then you look at the conduct thing. And the one conduct piece that they pick out is no sexual immorality. They start the church with that. No sexual immorality. Like, we are going to live morally pure lives. And you'd almost think that they didn't have that as one of the biggies because so many people today just live any way they choose. It's pretty rare to even hear a sermon nowadays on living morally pure. I can tell you this. There's a, a lot of sermons I could preach with pressure. This is one of the ones with pressure. Yeah. You know, you're like, all right, people like, oh, you're one of those churches. Yep, we are. Yep, 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 we are. All right. The Bible makes it clear over and over again, like this, this is a big thing for us, that marriage, that sex is to be within marriage between a husband and a wife. The Bible is very clear then for everyone else that's not married or even in marriage, that they're to control their body, they're to control their thoughts, and they're to live in a holy and pure way. This is something that shows the world that God has done something in us that gives us an example. And the early church was started at a very, very immoral time. Very immoral time. Matter of fact, anything that's immorality now is almost like recycled immorality. It's already been done. The time that they lived, Corinth, where, where the Apostle Paul sets up a church to the church at Corinth. I mean, Corinth was the most immoral city of its time and God puts a church there and and they have immorality that's going on in the church and Paul's like we're not going to do that anymore tell him to stop sleeping with her that's off limits, here's how you should control your body, here's how you should live, these are the sexually pure things that you should live by it was a horrible city it was worse than Vegas yeah, get the picture Their, their attitude was this your body is a tomb. Who cares that you do to it? Your body is a tomb. Who even cares? Do whatever you want. That's how they live. And so that's the way they're living. Sexually immoral. The body is a tomb. Who cares about the body? Along comes Christianity comes in. It says you have grace. You can be forgiven. And now your body's not a tomb. He writes differently. In First Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen, he says, Flee from sexual immorality. All the earth sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And that you're not a tomb? You're not a tomb. Your body's not a throwaway. Guess what? Your body has now become the temple of the Holy Spirit, who's in you, whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. He said, "You're not a tomb. It's not anything goes. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. That's not what. It's not what's happening." What happens in your body matters because your body is a temple and you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you and you are going to live differently. Think about the stress and the things that are going on and they're trying to live a moral life in an immoral society. We know about Rome. We know about Rome and there's a book in the Bible, Romans. It's written to the church at Rome. Rome, their immorality is legendary. I mean, in Rome immorality wasn't just seen as like bad, it was seen as essential. Like, oh, you're a guy, you're immoral. You're Roman, you're immoral. That's just the way their culture was. And you see this, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. There's so much in here about living pure and living moral lives as disciples. Additionally, Greek culture said this, as long as you take care of your family financially, you could have as many flings and as many mistresses as you want, as long as you pay the bill, you know, adultery at will. That's how they were, you know. It's just like they could do whatever they wanted. It's so sad that the culture that they were in was like that. And and the Bible was birthed, the church was birthed. in this type of culture saying, we're going to live pure and holy lives. God's taking us from and to, and we're going to live purity. We're going to live a moral life in front of this world, and we're going to be different. Now, speaking about those cultures with um, immorality, I can't help but stop here. Um, Remember, all the immorality is recycled. Um, Can I just, this is our thing right now. This is America's thing right now. There's so much living together going on, okay? Okay. There's so much living together. And I mean, not married, living together. And the Bible uses a word for that. It calls it fornication. And I I got a definition from another pastor and he said fornication is when two people act married when they're not married. With all the physical intimacy that happens in a marriage, but they're not married. It can be before marriage or outside of marriage, okay? Now, if you're here, if you're here and I'm asking you to listen, to hear and obey, to live morally pure. I'm, I'm asking you as a church to live that way. If you're living together, and, and I, I, I can't help but think that there's many, many people that are living together, and you're saying, well, you know, we're living together, yeah, we're, we're, I, yeah, we love Jesus, we're here, we're living together. I'm asking you to hear the word of the Lord and to see this, that there's something about living morally pure lives. And, and you're not to live an immoral life. Yeah. If you're living in that way, I'll tell you the same truth that I would tell the people that come to my office. The very first time a couple came to my office and they said, Pastor Rob, would you do the wedding for us? And I said, well, I noticed on your application, same address. Is that a future address or a current address? And they said, current. And I said, I didn't want to assume, but I just thought I'd ask. And I said, um, I just want to ask you this. Um, would you be willing to separate until you get married. And they're like, what? And I said, would you be willing to separate? We believe marriage is honorable. We believe that it's not right for you to be living together, but we believe that it'd be beautiful if you got married. And if we are going to do your marriage and we're going to do this here at our church, we would like you to move out. And they're like, that'll cost us money. I'm like, correct. You know, (laughs) you're tracking with me, but you could find like a place to live for free. They're like, yeah, but we've been living together for seven years, doesn't matter doesn't matter we're asking you to live a a pure life and we're asking you to do this and we're asking you to abstain from sex until you're married and then we'd love to do the wedding now typically in that moment the the lady in the counseling is like that's awesome (laughs) and the guy's like you're a dead man you know what i mean it's like you know what's going on And, and and then they're like oh whoa and they're like and then the guy will usually say like Well, why should we do that? I said, well, first of all, because God's word says for you to live this way. Secondly, I want to tell you this. You're going to give a gift to each other when you get married that you can't give today. And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, here's what's going to happen. When you get married, there's going to be a time where you're going to be apart. And the enemy is going to attack your thought life and tell you that your spouse is not being faithful. But if you separate now and you abstain from sex until you're married, you're gonna be able to tell your spouse on that day, we went three months, four weeks, we went eight months, however long until the wedding, and we live pure. And that means that if I'm deployed or if I'm gone on business and the enemy attacks your mind, you can say, my spouse lived pure for that period and they can live pure in this period. What a gift you can give to each other. And so we talk to people, we ask them to honor God and to give that gift to each other. And um, I, I, would, I wish I could say that all the couples that come in are like, praise God, we'll do it. You know, some people leave, they quit the church. I heard about uh, a couple, I don't know who they are, but just a couple weeks ago, a couple came in to do a wedding and they said, you know, we'd like you to separate. They did the same thing that I've said to people. And they said, yeah, we're out, we'll find a different church. You know, we're out. And I would just beg these people to say, do things right. So I'm asking you, if you're living together, to count that cost right now. A disciple is morally pure. A disciple is morally pure. We'd love for you to decide, if you're for each other, to separate. People say, we already have kids. Doesn't matter. Give your kids that beautiful gift to say, you know what? We were confronted with the truth. We heard it. We obeyed. We separated for those weeks until we got married and we wanted to be that example for you. It's a beautiful thing. I'll never forget, I got a letter and I won't take time to read it, but a couple wrote me and they said, thank God that you confronted us with the truth. Thank God that you confronted us with the truth. We didn't like it when we left your office, but we sat down, we prayed about it. The Holy Spirit moved on our hearts and we're so glad that for the three months before we got married, we separated, that we abstained from sex and that we were able to give each other that three-month gift to each other and to be able to say that. And they said, thanks for being the type of church that has the courage to call us up to that. Yeah. So I'm calling up our church to that. We could talk about meat offered to idols. We could talk about all that. But this one here, this one hits us. Yeah. This one hits us. This is where we live. And if you're here, no condemnation. I'm asking you to get in touch with the pastor. Um, I, I just have this vision right now. Pastor's going to be busy doing fall weddings. All right, it's okay. <laughs> it's Okay. By the way, living morally pure, I know I said that about the men, but living morally pure is, is for all of us. It's not just men. The Bible talks about that we've all had the same temptations. And I will say this, ladies are increasingly um, taking on a cruder and cruder term in, in, in their life and their, their speech and their behavior so that the difference is negligible between men and women today. This applies to all of us. If you're new to this type of teaching, I'm sure you're thinking, wow, God sure is a killjoy. You know, man, no wonder most churches have old people, you know, like, man. I'm telling you, God is not trying to steal the joy. God is trying to protect what is precious. His ways are right. I make no apologies. And if you follow God's plan for sex, it flourishes in marriage with commitment, with trust, with giving, with closeness, with intimacy. And sex outside of marriage is predatory. It's dangerous. It can involve bullying. It can be dirty. It can involve abandonment and fears and shame. I mean, think about Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Jeffrey Epstein, just about every other politician today. There's not a lot of glamour in the way that they're living and the price that they're paying. Sensual and moral pursuits always cost more than you thought. The pain is more than the pleasure. You always want more. There's something about it when you go down that road of immorality. It damages your walk with God and it has greater consequences than you realize. It's time to follow the ways of the Lord. Jesus even talked about not just actions. He talked about thought life. And he said, I want your thoughts to be pure. And in Matthew 5, he talked about don't even lust in your mind. And he says, if your eye is causing you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand's causing you to sin, cut it off. If I could just change it for modern day terms, if your thumbs on your phone are causing you to sin, cut them off. Or just delete the account put up a guard for social media. Seriously, I think about this. When I grew up, and I feel so old when I say this, but when I grew up, like, you know, our parents got cable and, and the bad channels were like squiggly channels. That was the level of temptation was squiggly channels that were there today. People are walking around with a store in their hand with graphic images they they don't even have to look for. Instagram and Twitter and social media just puts it into your lap. Parents, you have to take this serious. You have to take this serious. Men, women, you have to take this serious. And I think I I have no shame in saying this. When we have a code on the the TV, I, I told my wife, I said, you set the code, not me. I don't even want to set the code. It's something that we want to live morally pure lives. That's what a disciple does. That's the way we live. We, we take this serious. And with just a little bit of time that I have left, you say You say like, now what? Okay, that's great. You got us here, but now what? I'll give you two things. Put up a guard and grab a hold of God. Put up a guard and grab a hold of God. What do I mean about put up a guard? We do some and God does more, but we have to do our part. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. It's saying flee, flee those things, run, run away, put up boundaries from you. The Bible talks about our eyes, that we guard our eyes. I love what Job said. One of my few Old Testament scriptures in this lesson here, but Job 31.1, it says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. You've got to guard your eyes. You've got to guard what you see. C.S. Lewis said this, if you look at ham and eggs with lust, you have already committed breakfast. <laughs> guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. Guard your ears. Proverbs 5.3 says, For the lips of an adulterous woman woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Guard your ears and the things you hear. Guard your hands. 1 Timothy 5.2 talks about treating older women as a mother and younger women as a sister with absolute purity. They were to treat each other with Purity. I thought about this. This verse is probably responsible for the invention of the side hug. How many know what I'm talking about? It's only in church world, side hug, you know. All right. Guard your mind. This is part of the guard. Guard your mind. Garbage in, garbage out. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things guard your mind don't let this stuff come in but let pleasing good things come in there we can guard our heart as well guard our heart it's so critical you have to guard your heart if we're going to live in this way morally pure you know what that means that it means with our lips that we don't praise and flatter other people that are not our spouse I can't tell you how many people are coming into the church now, well, I'm in an emotional affair, an emotional affair, an emotional It starts with praising, and you don't guard your heart. And next thing you know, the guard is down, and then there's a heart attachment. Yeah. So put your guard up. Yeah. Put your guard up. This is part of living a morally pure life. Yeah. And then the other thing is grab hold of God. Grab a hold of God. There's the grace to stay pure. He gives you the strength. He doesn't ask you to move from and to and say you're on your own. He's like, I give you the grace. I give you the strength. I'll give you the power to live this way. And Galatians 5:16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Grab hold of God. Grab hold of more of the Spirit. Lean on more of the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen. Tune in. Follow the prompt. You know those moments. And it's just, you're listening and you're grabbing hold and you're going to walk by the Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 4, I could have read that whole first part there. There's just so much here. Paul is talking to this church here and he's telling them to learn how to control. He says, each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. That's what he says. Now, you might miss it here, but he gives us the key on how to do this. He says, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. The key there is if you know God, you're going to live differently. If you know God, you're going to live. And I don't mean just know about God. I mean know God. I mean you make him your Lord and Savior, and you grow from believer to disciple. You are in that relationship with God, and you're saying, God, I, I, I want to know you I want to I be more consumed with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to obey what you say. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm in a relationship with you, and I know you, and that's going to help me to stay away from the things of this world and to live a pure life. And as I close, if you're not doing well here, could I just say this? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're saying, that's me. I'm, I'm not living this life very well. Again, maybe you're a couple here and you're like, man, we are living together. What are we going to do? Man, there's a time to repent and then move forward with the action steps. Yeah. Yep. We live morally pure lives. That's what disciples do, that they live in that way and they move in the direction towards the morally pure. They keep moving towards the direction of saying, God, I want more of you. I want to be led by the Spirit. I'm not going to be led by the things of this world. And I will say this, each no you say to the world, how many know it gives you a little strength to say no the next time and no the next time? Each no makes you a little bit stronger. And I just have one thing, though. It doesn't end until we leave this earth. It doesn't leave until I've had people say, when will I win this battle? And I'm like, are you breathing? All right, keep fighting, all right? But guess what? Grab hold of God. Put up the guard and grab hold of God. And then someday— Man, we're out of this world, but you're going to live pure until then. We're going to keep moving in that direction. We're the ad. We're the advertisement. What a great way to live out on the outside what God has done on the inside. We could really stand out in this world right now. We could really stand out as a disciple lives morally pure. So God, I'm just praying. There was so much that was said here, and I'm praying it would resonate, that it would go deep into our hearts, deep into our lives. Disciples are morally pure. Some of the other things we've talked about, people are like, Yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. This one hits us. This one hits us. Guards on Instagram, guards on our social media. Stop flattering the person at work. Stop doing those things. The guards that need to be there with our eyes, our heart, and grabbing hold of you, grabbing hold of you, and and wanting to be in your presence and wanting more and being led by the Spirit. God, I'm praying for that. Disciples live morally pure lives, and I pray that we'd live morally pure and shine bright in this world that has gone very, very dark. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.